0: Hello, Tom. How are you today?
1: I'm good, Michael. How are you?
0: I'm excellent. Must be pretty warm weather for you, right?
1: Mm-hmm. It's nice. This is sort of full summer season.
0: Full summer season. That's nice. Is there a lot of fruit trees where you are? Um.
1: Yeah, in the region there's a lot of fruit growing, but on the island I live on, it's actually mostly just, um, I guess, non-fruit-bearing trees. But everything is green right now, so you which live is on really an pretty.
0: actual island. Yes. You don't. So you live in Rhode Island within an island. Yes. That's that's pretty amazing. Because <laughs> Rhode Island is not an island, is it?
1: No, it's it's Rhode Island and the, the Providence plantations, and it extends into the mainland. But there's one large island, Aquidneck. Well, there's a couple islands, but the largest one is Aquidneck Island, um, which is where I live.
0: And what does it mean? Do you take you drive? There's a bridge and so on connecting it. Right? There's no ferry ride. yeah.
1: There, yeah, the bridge was built, I think, back in the oh several decades ago. It's been around for a while. Um, but I live and work on the island, and I only leave when I have to, you know, go up to Boston or to New York or something.
0: So during a zombie apocalypse, you'll be pretty safe, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. All we have to do is just blow up the bridges, and then the island is well, sealed. The
0: bridges, and your island is sealed. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's good to know that I'll be looking out for you during a zombie apocalypse. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no islands in Vegas. No. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk about. Well, did you watch the NBA finals? That's the most important question.
1: No, I didn't. Do
0: you follow basketball? <laughs> no, not it's really. That's a more important. Well, then there's no <laughs> point talking about it. Right? You don't like basketball. It just looks weird, chasing a little ball around this tiny little net. It was a very good game. I mean, you you. Well, I wouldn't say you missed anything because you don't like it, but it was a pretty unbelievable final.
1: So, did it? What made it stand out? Did it end well? Was it a heated competition throughout?
0: It stood out because, for a couple of reasons, one is the um, Cleveland Cavaliers came back from... You, you need to win the best of seven, right? So three out of, four out of seven. Okay. The uh, Cleveland lost the first three games.
1: Oh, wow. And then
0: they came back to win the next final four, which has never been, happened before.
1: Right, so that's got to be a huge upset.
0: Also, uh, LeBron James at promise that he's returning to Cleveland to bring them the championship. And he brought them the championship. Wow. He's a pretty good guy. I mean, I I know people don't like him, but he seems quite level-headed. So it was just an unbelievable game. Very exciting. And everyone expected the Warriors to, um, you know, win the tournament because they'd won the most number of games ever in the regular season. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, it was a good game. Well, you're not missing anything. You don't like basketball.
1: It, it can be fun to watch. I just, I always end up having some other thing to do.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good game. I didn't watch it as well. I watched it on live blogging because I had work to do.
1: Oh, nice. Just watching
0: it on the New York Times live blog. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny because the New York Times doesn't post the scores on the live blog. So you're wondering, what are they blogging? We have the scores. What? <laughs> so I don't know who's winning, actually. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, but anyway, huh. so that was my Sunday evening. I was doing some work, and I couldn't get the chance to go watch it, so I was watching it on the live blog. So anyway, let's talk about uh, today's topic, right? Mm-hmm. So over the next few podcasts, let's. I'm going to talk about each member or each participant in TCO 3 and 4, right? Okay. Let's talk about... Uh, let's talk about Zach, who's in TCO three. Mm-hmm. Now, TCO Zach's participation in TCO three will only come out in about four or five days' time. Mm-hmm. So we haven't even released it on the website yet. Yeah, it's impending. No one even knows there was another person in TCO three. They just think there was one person, right? <laughs> Which is good. That's the way we like to keep things, everything under wraps, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Zach a little bit, right now. As you probably know, Zach was eliminated. Mm-hmm. In TCO3. He was one of the candidates we eliminated.
1: Which, that in itself is, I think, a really interesting... Um, I don't know, is it a design choice? Um...
0: Well, it's a design. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about why we eliminated someone and what what is the thinking that goes into that. Yeah. Because people just say, oh, he was eliminated, and they don't understand it's a very layered logic that sits behind the elimination, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about firstly uh, wh- the 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 absolute difficulty of calling an elimination mm-hmm. and second, why then Zach was eliminated because I think they are separate right okay so wh- so let's just think about the impact of an elimination right so remember firms consulting has two people going through t c o three and obviously our reputation's on the line if we don't place them right mm-hmm. it, it, We always say we will place at least fifty percent of the participants mm-hmm. that's the claim we make. Uh and you know if we don't place 50% we're in a lot of trouble right <laughs> Yes I mean when we have a season and we don't place anyone that's going to be pretty embarrassing for us Yeah yeah So going into this um th- let's think about what goes into selecting them because then you get a sense of the of how hard it is to eliminate someone right mm-hmm. and why it's actually not in our interest to eliminate them so, which asks, which begs the question: If it's not in our interest to eliminate them, why did we do it, right? Mm-hmm. So let's let's look at the mechanics of what goes into putting these people into the show. We into, during each season between 180 to about 220 people apply, right? Okay, so we get quite a, a large number of applications. We got to go through those applications and screen them for those that we think are promising, right? Mm -hmm. Of the ones that are promising, we then got to reach out to those people and say, well, there's something's missing in your applications. You have to send us a video or something like that. So it's about 50 people who we got to reach out to again. And they send us the outstanding material and we have to go through all that material. Mm -hmm. Okay. Of that 50, we then will probably invite something like 15 to 20 to join us for a set of interviews. Mm -hmm. There are four interviews per person. So we go through one interview, give them feedback, uh, we record their feedback and send it to them. They do their second interview, same thing, we record the feedback. Third interview, record the feedback, and then a fourth and a final round interview. Right? Okay. Once the interviews are done, we will then extend an offer to them. Okay. Which in itself is a lengthy process. If you look at the amount of documents they sign, right? It's it's a lot of documents they sign. They have Mm -hmm. to sign media releases, they have to sign non-disclosure agreements, all kind of contracts right Mm -hmm. once that's done we then have to start planning their training and each one's now each person's plan has to be different from the other person right they're targeting different offices they're pursuing different timelines they have different baggage some most of them all of them almost have been declined before Mm -hmm. in the history of tc only one person has never been declined before jen Mm-hmm. She's the only person coming in with a clean slate. So now given all of the uh, investment made in them, it's definitely not in our interest to eliminate them, right? Yeah. It would be basically suicidal to put in all that effort, all that time, and then eliminate them. And then when the season begins, we've got two people in, right? So it's in our interest to have two people going into the finals and interviewing because it increases our odds of placing someone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So when you get to the middle of the season, or any time, and we choose to eliminate someone, we're basically saying, hey, you know what, we're going to halve our odds of placing someone, right? Yeah, yeah. So the question is, here's the question, why, despite all of the investment, and despite the fact that we are effectively halving our probability of placing someone into a firm, which is directly tied to our reputation, you know, if we don't place them, it hits our reputation, why would we do that? Why would we eliminate someone?
1: that is a good question I can think of I think maybe two broad categories of reasons one mm-hmm. would be there's a change in this in someone's circumstance mm-hmm. there's an external change that, that that someone goes through the other one is there's something that you learn through the training process mm-hmm. itself that you find out about the candidate or about their goals um, and I can see that in some circumstances I mean it it may be a negative thing, but it may also not be a negative thing. Mm-hmm. It might be the right thing for that person um to be eliminated. So I can see it playing out in a, in a lot of different ways, but basically either some something outside the training happens that mm-hmm. causes you to rethink it or through the training you discover something.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically you're right. It it may be positive and negative for the person, mm-hmm. but it's definitely negative for us. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it's negative for us. We are taking a big hit when we do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, you know, in purely financial terms, we're taking a big hit because we have less programming to show people. Mm-hmm. You have less videos to show people, right? Yeah. So, on a financial perspective, we suffer quite severely. Uh, but we don't even think about that. It's really our reputation that takes a hit here, yeah? mm-hmm. uh, because the fact of the matter is that we've made all this investment. The person goes. We have a lower probability of, you know, meeting our targets of placing at least fifty percent of the people, and financially we also take a hit here, right? Mm-hmm. And the question is, why do we do that? Despite all the negatives we face, it's a simple thing. I want to point it out to you. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Sir Alex Ferguson?
1: Um, the, the name sounds familiar, but Sir Alex refreshing. Ferguson
0: is ranked as one of the, is arguably the greatest manager in British Premiership football. He was the manager of uh, Manchester United.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
0: Now I'm a big fan of football and Alex Ferguson, right? Mm-hmm. And you should read the um, uh, Harvard Business Review article slash interview that was done with uh, uh, that was done. I think it, I think it was October 2013 issue of the Harvard Business Review. He lays out his principles of leadership, right? Okay. Now, one of his principles, and I'm going to recall stuff from memory here, so I may get some details incorrect, is he says uh, I think it's principle number three or four is never ever seed control. Hmm. Never ever seed control, and I'll tell you why you never seed control. It's a couple of reasons. One, he says that if you have the players determining tactics, what game plan is going to be put out there. The team's going to suffer because every player is doing what benefits themselves. They're not doing what benefits the team. Mm -hmm. They know that if things get too bad, they can always be bought out. Yeah. So if you let a player dictate tactics, discipline, strategy, and so on, you have a situation whereby everyone's maximizing their income, but they're not maximizing the team's performance.
1: Okay, yeah, everyone's looking out for themselves.
0: Everyone's looking out for themselves because they're going to be traded and they know that, right? Yeah. So he says that um, you need to very quickly respond to situations whereby control may be lost, right? Because, and, and why does control matter? Because if one person steps out of line and others see that nothing happens, others step out of line.
1: Right. Yeah, you realize it's allowed.
0: You realize it's a lot worse, the problem we have. And it's the same problem in football. If a young kid sees someone misbehaving, what do they think is normal for them to do?
1: Misbehave.
0: If they see a guy kicking someone in the face and earning a 8 million pound bonus, what are they going to do on the football field? They're going to start yeah. kicking people in the face. I'm not saying anyone from Manchester United ever did that, but he quotes to... Um, He quotes two specific incidents. Um, He said that uh, in, I think it was 2005, when the captain, then Roy Keane, publicly criticized his teammates, immediately terminated the contract. Wow. Because then everyone thinks it's normal to do this. Mm -hmm. Second, I think at the time, they had a guy, a Dutch guy, who was one of the greatest footballers of all time, Ruud van Nistelrooy. He was complaining that he wasn't getting to play. He was always being benched. And he was complaining... Um, you know, to the media, which means he's challenging the the manager, right? Mm -hmm. He was sold to, I think, Real Madrid or Barcelona immediately thereafter. So you immediately manage situations where you feel that a bad precedent is being set and very important to us, bad behavior is being role modeled. Okay. Now, the situation with Zach is a very subtle thing because many people won't even see it. But I felt that the tone of one of the sessions stepped outside of the lines of what we consider to be the right way to manage things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Other people may not see it. Other people will say, hey, you know what? The guy was right. I didn't see it that way. And if I could if I, imagine if other people role model this behavior in front of interviews and in their professional environment, it was not going to go down well. Mm-hmm. So that's the decision we, we took when we were terminating. He's a good guy. He probably would have. In fact, he did get an offer, which he eventually declined. But it wasn't through the you know program. We terminated it. Right. And, and and the point I want to make here is that you notice that our decision has nothing to do with what's in our best interest.
1: Yeah, it's completely independent.
0: We, we, it's in our interest to keep the guy in, try to place him because then we can go around and say, hey, we placed two people, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not the way we make decisions. The way we make decisions is we look at the clients, everyone is watching, this, and we, and we say, okay, what's good for them? Mm-hmm. Do they want to watch someone and some, you know, unconsciously pick up their behavior? And the decision we made was no, that is not going to help them.
1: And so to be clear, when you're thinking about acting in the client's best interest, you're talking about the people who are watching these videos, exactly. the people who are watching and learning.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you know we got people around us all the time saying they watched this, they did the same thing, and I'm always conscious of the behavior we encourage them, encouraging them to to have right. Mm-hmm. And if you know if someone watches something and they don't see me responding to it, they seem they think the behavior is normal,
1: right? And then they start they start modeling it themselves.
0: Yep. exactly. So it, when we make these decisions, they are tough, tough decisions to make, mm-hmm. but they are actually easy to make.
1: Easy to make because it's on an objective basis.
0: Easy to make because it sticks to our values. Right. If right. It, it's a breach of our values, then yeah, immediately it's you know it's going to stop. Mm-hmm. It's it's never about okay, is it going to hurt us? Uh, the 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 philosophy we have is that we'd rather take the pain now, than teach the wrong behavior. Right. And again this is very subjective. I mean, I can see, imagine, you know, it's like a head hunter from a co- another company, a major tech company, looking at Zach and saying, the guy's fantastic. Let's mm-hmm. hire him. But remember, the culture of every organization is different.
1: Yeah. The culture and the values are different. They have to be.
0: The culture and the values are different. So we were looking at just the most elite firms and we're saying, well, is this the right kind of approach to have? And it's just a fit system. It's just a fit situation. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, why didn't you screen it earlier? Some things you can't screen earlier. Right. Well, someone, the team, someone has a mani- in a process to manage people out throughout the entire tenure because some things you just cannot screen in advance.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can only find it out over time.
0: You can only find it out over time. Now,
1: I, I'm a little bit curious as to um, because because he was released. That means it was it wasn't a manageable problem. It was it was an issue that you had to act on.
0: No, you see, but that's just it. Again, that's a very interesting concept you raised. If it's manageable, it is manageable to us, right? Okay. Think about that very, very carefully. If we're saying it's manageable, we are saying that, okay, we will speak to him and his behavior towards us will change, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But but people are still going to see him respond in a certain way and think it's okay.
1: Okay. So, yeah. So, my concept of manageable, like I just used it, was to... It's not... It wasn't big enough
0: it's just it's it's more I think um, it's more I would say serious than that okay when people say something is manageable they're really being selfish I think they are looking at simply the cost to themselves and they're saying well it's manageable it's not gonna impact us we don't really worry about clients right it's like for example when uh, a company decides to sell defective parts in a car Mm -hmm. they sit down and legal says you know what this is manageable We've got the cash in and we think we can get a settlement, so let's do it.
1: Okay, okay, that makes sense,
0: yeah. But it's wrong, Mm -hmm. isn't it? You should not be selling defective parts to customers.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking about all the airbags that are out there right now.
0: Yeah, manageable is the wrong way to look at this. It's not about whether it's manageable, it's happened. You can't take it back. Okay. And if you really wanna put customers first, uh, you have to take the hit. It doesn't matter whether it's ma- it's irrelevant whether it's manageable. It's happened. You can't erase it. Okay. You have to fix it, and fixing it means you have to release it. Okay. Yeah, manageable is, I think, if I had to be very you know specific, right, the issue of being manageable, or what you, you know the the business term for that is a cost benefit analysis, right? Hmm. You do a cost benefit analysis to see if it's manageable. Right. That leads to some of the worst decisions in business. Huh. Just because yeah. something, yeah. just because the cost-benefit analysis says you will benefit, but you're going to hurt a lot of people, is the wrong reason to do it. For me, it's a it's a values-based decision. It doesn't matter whether it's a whether you can come out of this successfully. Okay. And we could have kept him in the program. I'm sure he would have done very well. But again, other many companies looking at this will say he's fine, and that's great. But to us, we just said nope. That is not the behavior we want our clients to mimic. Yeah. And it was a very simple decision, a very expensive decision, obviously, and a very costly decision to us. But this is, it is not, it, in a cost-benefit basis, we lose very badly on that decision. Mm-hmm. But on the long-term, if you take you know, the long-term view, we, we win quite spectacularly there.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's, the whole, that's also the whole point about values. I mean, it's—it's it's, how does it go if you're not willing to pay the cost? You can't really say you have them.
0: Exactly. I mean, it's very, you know, people don't understand values and ethics enough, in my opinion it's taught in a very subjective it's taught almost like a social science but it's not a social science mm-hmm. it's a hard business concept you can attach values and costs and all kinds of things to it right mm-hmm. now again to reiterate Zach was a great participant it's really about fit and values you are never going to fit into every organization mm-hmm. that's the reality and I think by releasing him early it allowed him to make to understand that and he'll go on to pursue other things right yeah, yeah. He will. He will figure out. Hey, you know what? Consulting is not the best thing for me. I should be in other industries, and he's probably going to be very successful there. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to be even more successful than he was in consulting, and that's the that's the important thing about acting on your values. Is if you do it in the right way, without you know making people feel bad uh, about it, and you guide them and help them, they end up doing much better. Both parties win. We win in the long term, we lose in the short term, we win in the long term, he he he's, he's ends up pursuing some field the way he's better suited for it.
1: Yeah. It, it's interesting because it looks like in the short term, it looks like a lose-lose scenario. You know, bad for you, bad for him. Yeah. But the longer term you look at it, the more and more it becomes a win-win.
0: It's like those companies who say we don't want to retrench people. But if the person's not performing, maybe he shouldn't be there. Right. right? I mean, honestly... If you're not doing a good job, maybe you shouldn't work here. And in keeping them there doesn't help. They are unproductive. They're not creative. Everyone suffers. Mm-hmm. Someone else who's maybe better at doing the job can't take their place. Uh, you're not freeing them to pursue their passion. You've you got to take these cuts. I mean, the worst decisions I've ever made is not retrenching or in consulting, we'll just say, you know, firing them basically or managing them out is a polite term. Right. Early enough. Mm-hmm. I've always t- assumed the person can improve, just give them a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. But it never works. <laughs> it never works. People, when you give people time, they think they're doing better as opposed to they need to work harder to prove themselves. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Any questions there?
1: No, that makes sense. Thank you.
0: Okay, let's wrap that one up.